All right, so welcome everybody to the United States Border Patrol Academy. With us today, we have Chief Patrol Agent Gloria Chavez, who is the Chief Patrol Agent in charge of the El Paso sector. Now, Chief, you and I have known each other for more than a decade. For uh, sure. I'm trying to think. I think the first time I met you, you were assigned to headquarters as an assistant chief in a Cubicle City there. And was that 2004, 2005? Oh, wow. Or? That was back in 2004 or five. That's correct. It's been a while. It has it's been. been. It has been. The years have gone by very quickly. And no surprise, I'm obviously, I'm a fan. I, I've watched you and your career professionally and, 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 how, and the things that you've done. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, you're one of the good ones. Let's talk about the most obvious aspect of it. You're not only a member of the Fierce 5%, it's, it's <laughs> safe to say as the highest ranking female in the United States Border Patrol, you're the captain. You're the team captain. <laughs> I'm the team captain for my ladies of the Fierce 5% for sure. So talk to me about what's that like? You are the role model in the U.S. Border Patrol uh, for women to follow. We talk about the Fierce 5%. I'll get to that in a sec. But what's it like? There's none higher. You have achieved the pinnacle in terms of being a sector chief in the United States Border Patrol and one of only a uh, select few, 5% of the United States Border Patrol. Oh, wow, Chief. So listen, first and foremost, I'm, I'm just humbled to be here in front of you right now and, and hearing you speak this way. You and I have been colleagues for a while now, and I, I really admire your career as well. And I have to tell you, you know, as a woman in this outfit for many years, it's been my great honor. I really do feel very honored to be a Border Patrol agent. And I say Border Patrol agent because I feel that in the core of my being, that is what we are currently serving in the position of a chief patrol agent of a sector. But for the most part, at the, at the foundation of everything, that's who we are, Border Patrol agents. And as a woman, I strive every day, just like any male colleague of mine, right, to do the very best job at what you do and learn. I think that one of the uh, most rewarding experiences for me as a Border Patrol agent has been that every year, every assignment that I've held has been a learning opportunity uh, for me where I continue to grow as a person, continue to grow uh, as a leader in this organization and as an agent as a whole. Um, I take a lot of pride in being a, a woman in this outfit. I, I look back and I see the ladies who are Border Patrol agents today, and I just so admire them for taking on the responsibility and duty of this mission that I did over now 25 years ago. It's a great honor to know that at this time today, highest ranking female Border Patrol agent in the United States Border honor. Patrol is what such an, an honor, honor for me. So let's talk about the 5%. So I, as a parent, you know, I, I look at who our children's role models are today. And there's two different takes on this idea of there being 5% of the United States Border Patrol being female. One is that, it, that it's a bad thing that uh, we need more, which obviously I agree. We all agree. And the more we can get, the better. But instead, I like to look at it as that's something to be celebrated. That's an elite squad. That's an elite group <laughs> that's out there. And if there's ever a group of people that really should be role models for our children out there and what to aspire to be, I think that's it. It is, Chief, and you're not far off. You know, we in the Border Patrol, in our in our culture, look at all the specialized teams, right, of groups of agents that we build up to specialize in one certain skill, one certain mission. It's no different. Um, it's not that we are very uh, uh, gender biased or anything like that. It's just the fact that women are, that there's just a smaller group of women that work in this outfit, consider Border Patrol agents just similarly like men. However, it is a very special, unique group. I think of our women uh, Border Patrol agents, very skilled. They have so many other abilities as well. Communication being one, of course, we women, we just like to talk a lot. We really do. And then we're, if we're lucky, we find people like you of the opposite gender 
that like to talk a lot too. <laughs> so then we have great conversations. But I feel that as women in the Border Patrol, that unique special group brings so much to the organization. I've always said diversity makes us stronger as an organization in law enforcement. And I really do embrace that. And I really do think that our ladies, they are to be valued. And they are a special cadre of individuals that wear this outfit. And I'm very proud to be a part of that special group. Let's talk about you for a second. So (laughs) uh, this is your third command in El Paso sector. If I'm going back and if I'm correct in my memory, so you were the chief in El Centro sector? You were the chief in the Spokane sector up on the northern border, so you have a very vast and diverse experience. How's that been? Tell us what it's like to be a chief patrol agent in the United <laughs> States Border Patrol. So let me tell you, it's it's also one of my greatest honors. I'm a very humble uh, servant leader. I, I don't forget where I came from. I am constantly reminded just by seeing our agents working in action, seeing them getting the work done of where I was just a few years back, right? And I'm humbled by that because it was that genuine drive that drives us um, the borders of this country and everything we do under this mission. When I became a chief back in um, 2010 was the first time I became a chief of a sector. And I was as surprised as many. During that time, I had been serving as a patrol agent in charge of the Chula Vista Station in San Diego, California, a very chaotic environment. We had a lot of things moving in that station. It was something that kept us quite busy with the amount of flow and violence and things happening on that border. The opportunity came where there was a vacancy for a chief job. And I never really thought at that time that I would be interested in a position such as a chief, but I saw it as an opportunity. And really, to be honest with you, let me test the waters. Let me see how cold the water is, right? Let me tiptoe and and check it out. I did. I submitted for that position and knowing fully well that there could be an opportunity to advance to someday be a chief of a sector. And that opportunity came a few months later when I interviewed for the position among uh, 10 other individuals in a conference room. And it was very, uh, I'll tell you, as a woman in law enforcement, it was a bit intimidating to me to be among this group of leaders because they all had that one star on their collar. They had served as deputy chiefs, which is really in our outfit, the number two person of a sector who's running operations of an entire sector. And here I am uh, sitting among 10 other uh, male colleagues or peers that I'm wearing, uh, I think it was uh, at the time Oak Leaves because I'm a patrol agent in charge of a station. And and I went there with the attitude, you know, I'm going to go here and I'm going to do my very best like I do in every position that I put in for. And then it will be what it will be. But I assure you something, when I walk out of that interview, they are going to remember who Gloria Chavez is, is and they're not going to forget that name. So that was my attitude towards that interview. And little did I know that a couple of months later, I was going to get a call from the chief of the United States Border Patrol notifying me that I had been selected as the chief of Spokane Sector in the state of Washington. I, I could not even fathom that that was taking place. So... It was, a, it was a very humbling uh, experience for me, uh, an emotional one, and, and very humbling as well. And could you ever have seen yourself back as a, uh, as a young lady, you know, before you even joined the Border Patrol, one day you'd get to live up on the, uh, on the northern border <laughs> in the state of Washington? Not at all. I'm a, I'm a girl from, from South Texas. I was uh, born in Dallas. I was raised by a very traditional Hispanic, Mexican-American family. I have uh, three other siblings. My dad is a very traditional Mexican male father, you know, figure that protects his uh, his girls, especially my sister and I. And I never really imagined 
uh, first of all, that I would be in law enforcement in general. And then secondly, that I would have the highest command of, of a sector uh, leading men and women in protecting our country like I am today. And it was um, it was something that certainly was not within the, uh, I'm sure, the picture that my father painted him, himself on where he would see his daughter years later. But in fact, that's what it is. And today he's very proud of that. I can only imagine. Yes. So loaded question that you ever wish you could just take a set of keys and go on patrol again? Oh, you have no idea. I dream of that every day. I'm sure you do too. Being like I started, you know, Border Patrol agent to the core. And I feel that sometimes you just want to get a pair of keys and get in the vehicle and forget about everything else and go do the job of a Border Patrol agent on that border and be left alone for hours. And you and your vehicle and you out there cutting sign on a road, looking for tracks, and just doing the job of what we as agents were trained to do at an academy like this one. You know, the bottom basic rules of in, of engagement um, of what it means to protect our nation's borders. And that's really one of the things I think that calls to us. It's you, There's a lot of autonomy in the United States Border Patrol, being an agent out on patrol. The idea that you get to go out there and you are responsible for a piece of the United States border and, and keeping that safe. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that is never lost in us. At, at least I don't think it is because I've spoken to you as a chief of the academy. I've spoken to other chiefs of sectors and I don't care. Even the chiefs in, in Washington, D.C., we all go back to that experience of, of us being Border Patrol agents coming on board because we care and love this country. And then you get a set of direction and keys and, and says, hey, from this point to this point, you're in charge of that territory, and you're you're the one that's going to be on watch 24-7, whatever your shift is, you're going to go out there and you're going to protect this country. And uh, that's never lost on, on anyone that I've known to date that has worn this uniform. And I think that's one of the things also that makes the United States Border Patrol somewhat unique you know, in, in the law enforcement realm. And, and if you compare it to the military, it doesn't matter what the rank is that you hold today. Everybody started at the exact same point. We all started as trainees going through the academy. The academy is one of those things that, that creates a bond. It's kind of, a, I, I say it's our home. It's, it's where we all originate. We all branch out to do whatever it is we're going to do, whether it be a chief, whether it be a, if they're going to work in Intel, if they're going to be in the spec ops uh, arena. This is a point that we all start from. So even Chief Rodney Scott up in, in, in Washington, D.C., he was at one time a GS-5 Border Patrol agent trainee, just like you were. That is correct. And that's the greatest thing about this agency, right? I started as a GS-5 Border Patrol agent um, and worked my way through the ranks uh, to get to the uh, senior executive service level position that I'm in now. Um, but we all worked hard for, for the, for the uh, opportunities that, that were presented for us, right? And that's a great thing about this agency. Every single person that applies for this position that comes and trains here at the best academy uh, ever for law enforcement, um, probably in the world, I don't know about any other, uh, in the other end of this hemisphere or, or this country, outside this country, but I'll tell you, we put a, a lot of dedication into the how the training and molding of a Border Patrol agent is. By the time we receive them in the field, um, they're ready to go. And this is an organization that creates opportunities for those that want to take them and uh, those that work hard. Every position that I've had, I've really focused on that position and just to be the best I could be in that position. And then an opportunity presented itself and the door opened and I walked right through it and I took it on. It doesn't mean that I was that I felt I was ready for it or not. I just embraced that opportunity and I said, hey, if ready or not, I'm gonna go and learn 
and be the best I can be in this next assignment. So I've had a very blessed career that way. Very well said. Very well said. People that are listening right now that might be interested in a career in law enforcement, having been in it for 25 years, what are some of the misconceptions that maybe they see on TV that aren't true to life, that if you're uh, advising somebody that's looking to get into not just the Border Patrol, but, but law enforcement in general, uh, what are some of the misconceptions that they might have seen that they'll find be different once they actually put on a badge? So I think that's a really good question because a lot of people do not know the true Border Patrol. You know, I think that the people that apply for the position of the Border Patrol, such um, good-hearted individuals, the best humanitarians out there, I'll tell you that right now, just in the 25 years that I've been here in this organization, I see the acts of kindness and the different acts that Border Patrol agents take on, especially when they run into people that haven't eaten for days, they'll give their own lunch to them, that haven't had water, they'll give the water jug to them. I mean, there are just so many acts of compassion that many, the, the general public will never know about because the agents, that's the other thing. They're very humble. They're not there to get the glory. They don't want the points. They don't want the uh, accolades or recognition. They're just doing their job. Humanitarians at best. But that's okay. Well, that's, a, that's the one that we'll keep within our organization because I really do think that that's the heart of the Border Patrol that we will never lose, right? But for people that apply that may not know more than what they see on TV that we're out there arresting people that are entering the country illegally. The Border Patrol is so much more than that. We're a national security agency. We are here to protect the citizens of this country, our border communities, and we're also first responders because in many remote locations, our agents are the first people in law enforcement that respond to an emergency. The other thing, Chief, you're a member of it yourself. The specialized units that we create in this organization focused on saving lives or others because we have the Border Patrol tactical unit like BORTAC, right, who are very much specialized, who are called upon nationwide or internationally to go and provide support on tactical operations, specialized training, and anything else that they may need. It is an opportunity for people to really um, enjoy a career that brings so many good benefits financially, as well as with their medical, their vision, and a retirement plan that can help them and their family uh, succeed throughout their the life of their career. And then secondly, it brings opportunities for them, whether they want to be just on patrol doing line watch, or whether they want to be on horses, or on ATVs, all-terrain vehicles, or just on mountain bikes, and they want to be out there in the outdoors without constant supervision, because we have the trust in them and training that they're doing the job right. I think this is a great opportunity for those people that are for the outdoors. They're not afraid to take on new different experiences. There's a lot of love and care for this country. It is phenomenal. It's a great opportunity. It is. And it's really, if you think about it, it's kind of the unseen mission. I mean, what you talk about, I, I watched men and women go downrange to, to help out for Hurricane Harvey. Mm-hmm. I had friends that went to Hurricane Katrina and Rita. There's rescues every year that most people don't ever hear about. There's a pulling people out of the river, saving their lives at, at personal peril. These are the kinds of things that one may not think of whenever you think of a law enforcement officer. But in this role, every single day, the men and women that are out on patrol they come face to face with these decision points and they're making these decisions selfless and sacrifice to keep a complete stranger safe. And that translates into, uh, you know, the detention centers whenever you have kids and changing diapers and mixing formula for the kids that are in need. Those stories don't really get told, but they 
in my mind, they abound. They ten times more often than uh, any negative stories that you may hear. Out oh, there. absolutely, Chief. You hit on very valid points, and you know, internally for us, we see it and we witness it every day. You know, El Paso just went through this experience in 2019 when we had that huge humanitarian surge of families and children. Over 182,000 people were detained that year, and many of them were people that turned themselves in because it was a surge of just people coming, right? Many of them, unfortunately, and my heart breaks for them because they're unaccompanied children, very tender age, where many times we would have to put formula bottles together and feed the babies, right, or the infants, and then, or small children that we had to care for as well as Border Patrol agents because Health and Human Services, another agency that's in charge of, of looking after children, whether they're with families or not, was too overwhelmed at full capacity that they couldn't take them off our hands right away. So we were the ones holding them a little longer and caring for them throughout that timeline. I witnessed personally those acts of kindness and humanitarian aspect to the mission that we do as border security experts. We're now in the role of caring for these kids and these people. And um, it's just sad. It really saddens me that there are so many critics out there that don't see the, the inside part of what the Border Patrol is about and what we're really doing. We do have a lot of great supporters out there that understand the mission, the complex mission that we have as agents on the border and support us. But I think for me, I think I, as the chief of a sector, um, that's my number one duty, right? To ensure that my people, first and foremost, my agents have the tools and the training and the things necessary to get the job done. And if the role of today or yesterday was to care for those children and care for the families, then so be it. We're going to do it to the best of our ability with the resources that we had in place at the time. So it, it really is one of those stories. No other federal law enforcement organization or law enforcement agency, for that matter, has the unique complex duty that Border Patrol agents on that border have today. And that's a great point. So for the trainees that are listening... Now, we try to instill in them a sense of resiliency. We, we tell them, hey, you know, when you're out there doing this job, you're going to see bad things. It's just the nature of what we do. You're going to have moments where you get to shine and you see great things happen, great acts performed by your brothers and sisters that are going to be out there. But you also have to be prepared for the bad things that you're going to see. And I think that's one of the things that we can't do good enough job at preparing them for when they hit the field, when they fall under your command and they're in El Paso and, and your sector's getting uh, overwhelmed. They're going to be called upon to do these these acts and no doubt they'll step up and do it. But it takes a toll. It's 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 one of those things that you have to be able to share and talk about with your family and with your coworkers to be able to get through. Absolutely, Chief. I think that one of the things that we invested in here after the humanitarian surge was really leaning on our resiliency programs within CBP and the Border Patrol so that we could have clinicians or we could have people from peer support available to our agents. If there was anything that they needed to express or even a peer or even I, I'm available because I do feel that sometimes because of the mission that we have and the law enforcement role that we serve, we push ourselves so hard every day the same the surge of, of humanitarian uh, migrants coming over and the constant care that you're providing to children. We're not social service workers. We're law enforcement officers. We are placing our people in situations where now they're being stretched in that manner. We have to be, it is our responsibility as leaders to be able to provide them opportunities to be able to extract that out of them, be able to, so that they have a, a window so that they can speak and share, hey, this is how I felt during that time. These are the challenges I dealt with so that they can get that out of their system. You know, I have a, a, a memory as, as we're talking about this. I was a chief in El Centro sector at the time, and um, I went over to visit our agents 
in the processing area. And there was a young agent, single, because he told me he was not, we were in conversation and he was not married. And I, I asked him, I said, what are you doing? Because he was looking into, he was pulling out the, uh, the formula, the baby bottles, and he was putting it together. And I said, what are you doing? And he goes, well, uh, chief, I got to feed. It's time to feed this child. And I said, but didn't you just tell me you were single and you don't have a family? He goes, no, chief. I, I did, chief, but no, I, I'll be ready to get married. I mean, once, <laughs> once I'm done with, all, you know, and I just kind of chuckled a little and I said, really? He goes, yeah. You know, Chief, you got to see the positive in all this. Amen. And that was an agent. That was the agent's attitude. You know, we get thrown into situations sometimes, Chief, that, you know, you just got to make the best of it. And I'll tell you, Chief, after all this is over, I'm going to be ready. When, a fa- when I get married and I have kids, <laughs> I'll be ready to feed them, you know, because I'll know how to put a formula bottle together and all that. So, you know, that's the spirit of the Border Patrol agent. And that's uh, that's what makes us proud to be a part of it, I think. And, and I know, you know. We, we share that it, as a chief, and, and, I, and I'll. You just told a story uh, when we were in this last meeting that we had, and I know, and I could tell it was. It touched you at a very, very profound level. Uh, you know what it's like to lose one of our brothers and sisters under your chain of command. You had that happen not long ago. You don't know what that's like until you actually experience it. Whenever you have somebody that you work alongside each and every day that you know goes out and does this job willingly because it's a calling, and they pass away. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a tough one, right? And and I brought it out to this group earlier that we talked to because nothing tells you how important training is, especially in the environment of a Border Patrol Academy, like getting a reality check that that environment out there that Border Patrol agents work in every day is a very dangerous one. People take that for granted. The public takes that for granted. Our critics take it for granted. And even us as Border Patrol agents take it for granted sometimes. So critically for me, at every opportunity that I have to mentor agents to speak and bring awareness about the importance of safety, I take that opportunity. You know, as a chief, we enjoy many things in witnessing acts of, of valor, acts of, of kindness, acts of um, extreme endurance when our agents um, win accolades or races or things like that. A lot of positive outcomes. But then as chiefs, we also experience loss. I'll tell you, it's a very heavy responsibility that lies on your shoulders every day when you experience the loss of an agent in the line of duty. We, we lose agents to many different things. Sometimes agents pass because of health conditions, right, off duty. Sometimes they have accidents. Sometimes it's different reasons, but there's never a loss like the one in the line of duty. And uh, very recently, we did experience that in El Paso sector last year, and it was a tragic situation. I don't think I'll ever forget it for the rest of my life. And it's something that you carry on uh, with you in your heart, in your mind, and you think of things that you could have done better as a leader, and you question the things in place, and you go back and review and review and review and modify to make better. Because at the end of the day, as a leader, you want to make that environment as safe as possible for your Border Patrol agents that you, as a leader, task them to do. And I will every day continue to invest in that because the memory of Johan Mordan will always be with me. And I don't want that situation to repeat itself. Of course. No, and... We, we tell this to the trainees uh, when they short at, shortly after they get here. It's uh, if you do this job long enough, you're probably going to know somebody that's on our honor wall that has paid the ultimate price uh, in service to this country. It's not something that uh, any of us enjoys thinking about, but it does drive home the point that what we do here serves a purpose. We have to be as prepared. We cannot get complacent. We have to be ready for what we're going to face. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, is unique about the Border Patrol, we, we work in some of the most austere conditions, 
in the entire country. Uh, we're out there by ourselves a lot of the time. We're outnumbered most of the time. It's a very unique law enforcement job, and that's why this academy is what it is. And so getting the trainees that come through these, uh, these gates for class to understand that fact and to accept it early on, I think is critical because that's going to make sure that they get the most out of this training. So it's important for them, I think, to hear it from you, you know, at, out in the field, just how important that actually is so that it resonates with them while they're here in training. Oh, absolutely. It is extremely critical and vital to their survival in the field environment because the elements are that, they're that crucial. Uh, you know, I, I think of times in, in San Diego sector on the mountains of East County and the winter storms coming in and Border Patrol agents hiking down uh, and carrying people, migrants, up that mountain in a winter storm, saving their lives from hypothermia. So those are the things that if elements like that exist, it's not only for the persons that are caught in that. It's for the Border Patrol agents that work in that environment. That's why it is so critical and vital that they take on this training as something so vital that it could save their life someday. So that's why I mentioned that earlier today, um, because we all went through this training, right? Nothing gave me so much more pride the day I was walking that aisle up the stage and earning my badge as a Border Patrol agent with my other classmates, men and women, because I feel that the training they gave me is something that is something as a reward that I could never pay back to the organization other than continuing to have a blossoming career and, and, um, and with the highest safety in mind because of the training I received, right? So I, I do feel that what you are doing here today is very vital to the foundation of who a Border Patrol agent is and should be in the future. And I like the fact that uh, you know, when you and I came in, uh, when you look at what our training was and, and, the, and the agency that we joined, compared to what it is today oh, wow. and the training that, the, that, that these men and women are yes. getting today, it gives me a sense of pride to know it's better. Let's, it just, is. let's just call it what it is. It is better than what it was 25 years ago. It is. I remember visiting the academy about a year ago here with other chiefs. Uh, we held a chief's meeting here not so long ago, about a year ago, and we went and we witnessed some of the scenarios that are being taught by your command and your instructors here at the academy, and we were just so impressed with the level of response, law enforcement actions, uh, situational awareness, uh, the ability to really take action immediately. There are some actions, Chief, that these new trainees are doing in this training environment that for us back in the day were only done by tactical teams. Mm -hmm. Today, a regular Border Patrol agent is assuming that responsibility and that role, and that to me is very impressive. And that's what we want, I think. I think that at the end of the day, and these folks that are graduating now, 25 years from now, their hope should be <laughs> that whoever's going through the academy is even better than them. Absolutely. That gives us a sense of pride in this organization <laughs> and knowing that it's going to endure and, and, and keep its meaning. It and, will. And doing it the will. Mission. I think that part's important. And with all of that stuff that we've just talked about, there's still a pervasive uh, feeling uh, among certain pockets in our country against law enforcement, anti-law enforcement. I think it's born on misconception. Always are careful not to paint one person with the same brush as everybody else. And I think that happens to law enforcement officials a lot. I say Border Patrol has been dealing with that for years now. What law enforcement in general today in this country has, has been enduring, we have been enduring because what we do is so polarizing. 
What's a message you'd give to the uh, the trainees to keep in mind when they go out to the field, given that environment? Yeah, so that's a very challenging environment to be in, right? And uh, that's why it's so important that at least when we do have them on board, I actually uh, commend the applicants, applicants in general, who are still seeking opportunities with an organization, any law enforcement organization in general, but in particular with the U.S. Border Patrol, because of that polarizing environment that's out there against law enforcement nowadays. It is a great career. It is a great duty. It is a great humbling experience to be a public servant right, and protect our citizens and protect uh, the, the public and, and keep them safe. But I think that for our trainees that come on board, I think we have to continue to message the importance of the duty that they are upholding. We swore an oath to the U.S. Constitution, Yes. period. It is the U.S. Constitution that drives our mission, period. Nothing else matters. Now, you touch on a very important point because at the end of the day, and this is something that I think gets uh, overlooked by people that do talk about us, we're apolitical. Absolutely. It, it does not matter what administration's in office. It does not matter what member of Congress we're talking to. Our job always and forever remains the same. And I think that's an important piece to keep in mind. You're, you're hitting it on the nail there. That's absolutely correct. With us, there it is irrelevant to us what type of administration is at the helm at the time. We are here to serve a mission of protecting the borders of our country. And there's more to that mission, especially in an environment like today or after the acts of terror of September 11th. You know, our mission completely changed as well. And one that is even more important and more complex, but it doesn't change our focus. It doesn't change um, the mission that we are uh, driven to because of who or what administration is in place. We are a very apolitical organization. Our oath is to the U.S. Constitution and to continue protecting the citizens of this country. You know, uh, one of our uh, other colleagues, uh, E.A.C. Huffman, former chief in the U.S. Border Patrol, mm-hmm. at, uh, B4 as we call him, mm-hmm. the, uh, he, he made mention one time uh, of the fact that he's been, he's been around for more than 35 years, so <laughs> uh, more than one administration, obviously, but when you and I came in, uh, President Clinton was in office. That is correct. And then President Bush. That is correct. And then President Obama. Yes. And then President Trump. Yes. And now President Biden. Yes. So it's safe to say it runs the gambit. It does. It and does. So, well, and I think the, the environment is going to be the same. Sometimes it's going to be uh, in favor, and sometimes there's going to be hard feelings, but I think perseverance is key. It is. And I think with us, as long as we stay focused on the mission at hand and the things that are driving that mission, right, and how we continue to really look at the things that are helping grow that mission. For example, here in the last four years, we strengthen our border infrastructure tremendously. Border barriers that have really brought so much benefit to the work that we do every day out there. And I'll be very selfish, Chief. The border barriers bring safety to my troops on that border. And I will continue to always advocate for those because it does bring them a level of safety greater than what they had with nothing there. And then secondly, obviously, border security, right? It really does increase the ability for us to take enforcement actions more efficiently than if there was no barrier at all. But then secondly, technology. Technology is a force multiplier that over the years we have seen to date the benefits that it's bringing us with the with regarding national security. Nowadays, we have camera systems that 
do a lot of the work for us and make it a little bit, I call it efficient. I don't want my Border Patrol agents out there thinking, oh, it's now time to be lazy. Absolutely not. It is an added force multiplier to make our job a little bit more safer and a little bit more easier. But it doesn't mean that the traditional work that is required for patrols are not necessary. But it's like you said, it comes and goes and the focus shifts a little, but it never goes away from the mission of what we're instructed to do uh, for this country, which is protecting the borders and and the wall. So that that's that's a good point. So mm-hmm. when we when people hear us say the wall is a good thing, you know, a barrier is a good thing. It's important to keep in mind our perspective. We're looking at it from a border security standpoint and what makes sense for the safety of our agents out yes. there, and what we honestly believe is going to make the best contribution to helping keep uh, our country safe and secure the borders. Yes. There's obviously other things out there that uh, that we rely on. You mentioned technology, the, uh, the the infrastructure piece, and and just having good old fashioned boots on the ground, That's agents right. out on patrol. That's we can right. never. That is that is the crux of everything. Everything else revolves around that piece. But there's uh, folks that will look at the wall and they say, "Oh, we don't need it. It's it's nothing but an eyesore, and it does nothing." It's, we have more advanced technology out there. Why are you going to waste time building something as uh, as archaic as as a wall? Well, that's a basic building block. It's a basic fundamental, right? It is. It is. For us, we look at it as one of the tools in the toolbox, right? We have many drive throughs There's a lot of roads on that border that connect to Mexico and vice versa. And without a border barrier, as simple as a Normandy barrier or vehicle barrier that we call it, is really to slow down those vehicles from crossing through those areas. In other areas, like a 30-foot wall, it's very necessary. Tactically, operationally, it brings a huge benefit because these are areas that are very much located where we've identified a very easy entry. And by the time an agent would get there or an agent's able to respond, that entry is already taken place. So guess where we're going to take that enforcement action, Chief, if there is no barrier on that border? We're going to take it in the interior of the United States, in areas where there are communities, where there are schools, where there is a more uh, opportunity to, uh, to really cause some harm. Um, not only in the way of uh, people getting away, but it's more so in the enforcement action itself. I don't want to um, be in communities or near schools or near hospitals. I want us to focus on the border. I want us to really secure that portion of border where we are able to get the adversary immediately without having to risk any more loss of life or impact to life anywhere else. So when we talk about the value of a wall system or the value of border barriers, it is true that they bring some benefit because it allows us as border security experts to really do the job of that enforcement action taking place as closest to the border as possible. That's a good point. So when you hear people say, show me a a 15-foot wall, I'll show you a 16-foot ladder. Well, the intent is it's not going to stop them, but it may delay their entry so that we have time to detect it and respond to that it. That is correct. And I think that's where misconceptions come in, right? Um, you build a wall and, and folks uh, immediately, especially the critics, think, well, you know, um, then they're going to build a higher ladder. Well, they probably will. But I assure you that the agents are going to get there with way more enough time that that ladder gets leaned on that fence. We're going to sit there and we're going to watch them climb it up that ladder, get to the very top, and by the time they want to come down, we're going to be waiting for that arrest. That is what it does. It slows down the people from coming in at higher um, rates of speed versus us having the opportunity to respond there in time. Border barriers have been in use now for many many years through various administrations. This is no different. The only difference right now 
with this new border wall system, which I'm very excited about because of the technology piece and what it really does for us. It does. It is a, a smart uh, border wall system that is going to bring us a lot of operational benefit and, again, increase the safety of our Border Patrol agents working near it. Chief, that's an outstanding perspective. And actually, from a, a commander out in the field, one of the busiest uh, sectors on the southwest border, what's next for you? Oh, wow. You know, what a great question. You know, I have uh, 25 years of service. This uh, this April, uh, I, I became eligible in May. I turned 50 in April. But I've got so much energy. I got so much energy and I've got so many still. I have a list of things that I want to do. I, um, I'm here for the long haul. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. I'm excited about the future. I always am. And I see opportunities everywhere. And I really do think that today... My role today, I've taken the role of um, paying it forward. I really have. And uh, it's been now a couple of years now that I'm really investing in those behind me, in the subordinate personnel that I now see as the future leaders of tomorrow. And um, I'm doing my very best to influence them with the things I have learned, the attributes that other mentors have, have taught me um, to really look out, after, you know, look for and to really um, – the care and love that we have for this organization and its people. So I'm going to continue to invest in, in our people, and I'm going to continue to mentor and try and build up our future leaders. For now, I will tell you that I am going to enjoy the El Paso sector for as long as I can because it is an extraordinary sector with very good people that care about the mission and they care about the citizens of this country. And they've endured a lot since 2019 and to see them today where they are being so productive and being so efficient and continuing to grow as an as a sector and as an agency just makes me very proud so uh with that i tell you hey i'm here for the long run we'll see what tomorrow brings outstanding that's one of the things that that that, that i've always admired about you 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 do to take an active interest in those that are coming behind you and and it's evidence to you, I think, is a class 1160 as you, you are mentoring. Yes. So you're here today actually with yes. the purpose of introducing yourself to them as they start their journey through the academy. And you're going to be with them throughout. Uh, uh, yes. And I told them earlier today, I told the class, I said, look to your left and look to your right. Those are your peers. That's, that's your classmates. There are one, two, maybe three chiefs sitting here that are going to be future chiefs of the, of the U.S. Border Patrol. So continue to learn as much as you can. You've come into an extraordinary organization with so many opportunities. For those that want it and work hard for it, they can achieve greatness in this agency. So I'm going to continue to mentor Class 1160, and I'm going to make chiefs out of them someday. <laughs> Chief, thank you so much for coming. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you, Chief, so much for the opportunity. Everybody, thank you all for listening, and we will talk again soon. From the United States Border Academy, uh, Chief Patrol Agent Jason Owens, talk again soon.